0: Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at (laughs) gmail.com.
1: This is episode two of season two of Marking on today's Extreme Watch-Alongs, covering ECW Hardcore TV from 1997. The episode January the 7th, 1997, on the Peacock WWE, the Cock Network, whatever you want to call it. I am one half of the hosting tag team, the squad, the stable, if you will, here on the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Dave from kicking out of two, along with the Architect of RetroMania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network Mr. Maryland Baltimore himself Kobe Nida mm, you talking about a stable like a like a hosting squad stable I love them I'm
0: doing my best uh, I'm doing my best uh, Roy Welch or uh you know uh, colonel parker if you will sound like
1: fat albert to me to be honest with you yeah, but
0: you said my uh you said my uh lord alfred hayes sounded like fat alfred is that all i can do is fat alfred
1: no i said i said lord alfred hayes sounded like fat Albert. <laughs> yeah yeah that really? was on a
0: that was on the uh, first season of Market out the days
1: okay i don't remember <laughs> so, that but yeah I'm, now, I'm your, doing... lord alfred hayes, your lord alfred hayes is probably top notch like that's like your, your best voice, there. that's oh. the one that, that's the one that, that you, you know, you hang your hat.
0: Thank you, thank you. Well, that being said then, promotional consideration, paid for by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, or Marking Out the Days, Season 2, Extreme Watchalongs, this is awesome. Um, episode 2, man, we're getting into it deep. Um, a guest, I mean, we're, we're dipping our toes into it,
1: rather. <laughs> yeah. In the deep end, if you will, uh, covering uh, this episode, I believe it's, we're going to see the cul- I wouldn't say the culmination, but the Sandman um, uh, Raven rivalry, uh, you know, taking place on the show. I'm sure there's going to be more talk about the Taz Sabu stuff, as well as if you if you go back to your Peacock and you you, you look at the um, the section, the ECW Hardcore TV section, the date. January 7th to see a uh, screen caption of Killer Kowalski, the legendary Killer Kowalski. Uh, so he's going to have a role on the show, which is interesting. Didn't know that until, you know, we uh, we, we were about to press play. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, diving in deep again.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, and as always, you can dive in deep on the archive, searching Retromania with a W at the beginning on any podcasting platform. We are... Deep, we got like 380 plus episodes and archive there. If you go to podbean.com or retromania.podbean.com, rather, you will find our whole archive there, like all free. Everything, go to the seasons, they're organized. You know, everything is a nice, neat platform now to where you can uh, binge your favorite little categories or shows from the archive of RetroMania, and they're all evergreen, so it's always fun. Dave, you have a lot of stuff going on this year. What's your plans for this year in 2022? Do you want to cue everybody in, and then we can get into yeah. this episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna start. I mean, I'm starting a little late in 2022 because of my current, you know, situation with my recording setup. Uh, but, you know, we're going to kick things off on January the 26th, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 1992 Royal Rumble match in watch-along form. Ric Flair, of course, winning that, winning the WWF title in that match, regarded as the greatest Royal Rumble match ever. And the we're greatest
0: approaching... day of his life.
1: Yep, yep, that's right, with a tear in his eye. <laughs> um, after, after someone had to put that cigarette out, it was the greatest moment in his life. Um, and so... Now that I've lost my train of thought, um, uh, we have, uh, so that's going to start things off. I was trying to get to the beginning of the year, but unfortunately with the holidays and the living situation, it just, you know, wasn't to be. So now we have, you know, the 26 is going to kick things off as we head into Royal Rumble in a few weeks, um, you know, covering the 1992 Royal Rumble match. For the remainder of the year, I'm going to, like I said on last week's show, I'm going to sprinkle in some... You know, appropriate anniversary milestone moments into my schedule, but the majority, the 90 percent, the 95 percent of the programming on Kicking Out of Two is going to be covering Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw, WCW Monday Nitro, WWF Monday Night Raw from 1997, a very pivotal year in wrestling, and I thought that I would cover that been watching long form you know I'm gonna pick, I pick random nitro's random raws random moments from the from the year we watch them um, and then like I said appropriate anniversaries milestones I'll cover if it's like 1992 which is the 30th anniversary if it's 2002 which is 20 years etc cetera, etc cetera. but for the most part 1997 I'm kicking out of two raw and Nitro will be covered and then of course the sister show the that complements that is this show here, Market Out Today's Season Two Extreme Watch Alongs, covering ECW from nineteen ninety-seven. So, you know, we're gonna be covering all things nineteen ninety-seven on the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network from both Kicking Out of Two and Marking Out Todays. Gonna to be a lot of fun. And like I said, twenty-sixth, kicking things off, nineteen ninety-two Royal Rumble watch-along, the, just the Royal Rumble match. I'm not watching the whole show, but just the match. Rick Flair winning the WWF title. It's gonna be a lot of fun search for it on pod beam by searching retro meeting with a w it's in the seasons it's in the kicking out of two season on any podcast platform available you will find it wednesday january the 26th looking forward to it
0: awesome stuff man and uh you know like you said there there's, there's so much going on with uh with this year or this uh milestone year um there's there's a lot of stuff uh, that we can hit for the archive, and you can always go back. They're evergreen. So, without further ado, let's get into this. Uh, let's let's kind of uh, queue up the episode. You can go to the Peacock. You can find it there. It's season mm, season five, episode two, January seventh, nineteen ninety seven of ECW Hardcore TV. You can search ECW under the WWE uh thing and peacock man i wish we still had the network this is so like ugh. this is so hard to find stuff now i mean it it seems simple once you get into it but what are your feelings on it before we get started
1: ah it sucks yeah it sucks okay i mean the only good thing about it is that it has all the content that was previously on the network but the interface and like for instance i'll watch something okay and i'll be done watching it and then kind of like Netflix, it will say click OK for the next episode or whatever. Next episode starts in 10 seconds. And there's an option to cancel. When you click cancel, it shuts it off. But then it queues up the next episode. And you can't erase things that you want out of your like, like resume watching portion of Peacock. It's a pain in the ass. It, yeah. it really is. Like I'm, I'll be honest with you, in the last several months, aside from doing this, it's been hard to really watch anything on Peacock because just the interface itself is just it's its ridiculous There's, I have probably like 90 things that are resumed watching that I've already finished yep. in, in, in my interface that I can't erase you can't erase that you can't get rid of that stuff yeah. which is so dumb and you know to, 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 to make matters even more interesting I was having a conversation with my brother recently about the service and the, even the rumors of WWE being up for sale within the next couple of years and NBC Universal, Comcast being a major player in that, and they've even got you know, NBC Universal has even gone on record as saying that they are not a technologically driven—that's company. That's not the 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 base of their 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 brand. It's all about television content. So from the from the technology side, they're behind on many levels. Uh, you know, way behind all the other streaming services, and they know that. But mm-hmm. they didn't exactly indicate that they plan to fix that anytime soon either, which which is is a little unsettling to me. So hopefully, once this Peacock deal ends, either they they beef up the 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 features on the interface and make it more you know user accessible, or WWE goes and finds some somebody else to 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 host their their content because it's just it, it, it's really hard sometimes to to navigate it. And will it'll say that I watched something that I didn't even watch, you know. Right. And I don't give my password out. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting because, you know, in other countries, they still have the WWE network. So um it'd be interesting to see how how they present everything now and how they section it out. I'm sure it's just as organized as WWE network was, but I still had a problem with that interface. It's like. I I I still am putting my foot down. New Japan has the best interface for wrestling streaming fans. It's so organized. It's year by year. You search up the person. It's chronological order of their matches. You search up a belt. It's chronological order of the defenses, uh, the title changes, and you can watch and click. It, it's like it makes its own playlist for you. Um, it's very interactive. I you must
1: be related to Dave Meltzer. <laughs>
0: six stars seven stars for the app
1: yeah um, and if you and if you watch the app in the tokyo dome you you might get eight stars out of it
0: i might even yeah i might even become part of the app yep. um yeah uh so <laughs> all right that being said let let let's do this wouldn't you want to introduce everybody to the countdown how we're going to do this episode cuz this is going to be a little different usually we talk over the episode and critique it um and you can always which
1: we which we still will do but in yes. this case we're going to we're going to when I when I say play you know press play and we're going to keep the audio up on our end for this Video montage highlighting Terry Funk, and this is probably the introduction to Terry Funk in the storylines in ECW, culminating with his his role in the the first ever pay-per-view, barely barely legal. But there's going to be audio that you'll hear on our end, so don't turn the audio up on your end if you're listening, if you're watching along with us. Hopefully, you are. Um, but if you're not, then you'll get you know a nice little treat, and then. We'll continue the watch along. And from time to time, we'll give you a timestamp where we're at. If we decide to play the audio, we'll give you a heads up. But for the most part, we're just going to be kind of rolling with it. And, uh, you know, I got some little news and notes to discuss regarding um, the state of ECW and other things in wrestling while we're watching this. So let's have at it. The episode goes 44 minutes and 20 seconds. Season 5, Episode 2, January the 7th, 1997, which, by the way, I mean now that we're talking about the interface of this peacock and how much it sucks, when I was trying to do some research on this episode before we watched it, mm-hmm. this episode actually aired on January the 9th 1997 which happens to be my birthday by the way um, So this episode aired on January the 9th 1997 and I turned 14 years old that, that evening. Um, don't remember what I did but I'm sure I had Jerked enjoyed off. myself. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I enjoyed myself, but the the, <laughs> the dates are even wrong on on these uh, on a lot of this stuff here. So, I know. Um, so just just a heads up, but I'm just going by the date that's here on Peacock so that everyone can watch along with us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Let me shut the fuck up now. And in three, two, one, press play. <laughs>
2: 16, 1996, Hardcore Wrestling's greatest legend, Terry Funk, returned to the ECW, truly making it a November to remember. Despite injuries suffered over his 32-year career, Terry Funk went toe-to-toe with the franchise Shane Douglas, and what many consider to be a younger version of himself in the bulldozer, Brian Lee.
0: Terry Funk is beating up uh, Shane Douglas and Brian Lee in the montage right now, um, and they're just having this satire music.
2: Younger, stronger, taller, and Terry Funk didn't. Dreamer came to the rescue, smashing the bulldozer in the head with the television camera allowing Terry Funk to get the pick. 20 years after losing the World Heavyweight title, Terry Funk returns to active competition to make one more run this Saturday night. Oh
0: boy. Getting extreme there, there, Dave, huh?
1: Yep, there you have it. So it looks like we've set the table for Terry Funk uh, and his involvement in the title picture and ECW, uh, in early 1997, uh, which is, um, I mean, it, it, a name like Terry Funk to hardcore wrestling fans, that's a big deal. Um, 14 years old. I didn't really understand why someone like Terry, I, I looked at Terry Funk as someone who, uh, I wouldn't say he was washed up, but I was like, what's he doing in ECW? It didn't, it didn't really.
0: Yeah. I didn't see, I didn't see the, um, the allure or like, uh, what people liked in Terry Funk or people like Ric Flair, like the old school people to me as a child were like, "Ugh, go away.
1: I See, I wasn't like that necessarily with all of them, uh, as we see the BWO here. Um, but I didn't. I mean, most people look at Terry Funk and some people say, well, he's the greatest of all time, you know, and, and I think he's a great performer. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I didn't see where he fit into the, the style of ECW. You know what I mean? I, it, on the surface without really delving into it, you know, 25 years ago, I didn't understand. I looked at it like Terry Funk was hanging on too long, you know? Mm -hmm. In, in in ECW, which was a band of misfits, as they like to say. Yeah. So I didn't ha- I didn't really get the you know looking back now I can understand obviously why they did it and why he went there and it it it, it you know looking back on it it makes sense but back then twenty five years ago as a, as a young fan I didn't really get the, the 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 association with 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 him and the company but that's just me being a young immature wrestling fan right right right
0: um yeah I, I i agree to some extent i just i think i was as a kid i was more aesthetically like uh, uh you know involved with people that looked the part of wrestling quote unquote for me you know um and terry funk and rick flair at that time did not look wrestling to me but now they they scream wrestling you know um yeah yeah, yeah it, it's it's funny the way your mind changes as you evolve watching this product uh it, one other note there they keep they kept talking about brian lee being like uh, th- possibly the the younger version of terry funk or bulldozer uh-huh. brian lee yeah Jeez, what i i saw nothing in him uh i mean I, I guess a good showing for him in ecw but shortly he would go to the wwf correct
1: Yes, he was, uh, known as Chains of the Disciples of Apocalypse, the motorcycle gang, uh, as we see, uh, Axel Rotten here, um, which looks like, uh, where are they? I want to say that's somewhere in Massachusetts. Um,
2: okay.
1: I want to say it's that, like, no, it's a, it's a different arena. I was thinking more like Worcester, um, the night where Shawn Michaels lost his smile, which we'll cover on Kicking Out of Two, Ooh. um, but, yeah, uh, yeah Axel, Axel Rotten making his way to the ring. Um, while, I'm, uh, while I'm on the, uh, I'm looking at some of my notes here. Um, you know, we talk about wrestling being a, in a big year in 1997. Uh, pro wrestling has been derelegated in New Jersey which should lead to a lot more indie shows in the state because it'll be a lot cheaper for promoters to run shows there now. It is believed ECW is already making plans to run shows there as the regulation rules are what kept them from running shows in the past. About seven years ago, it was due to issues with the New Jersey legislature that led to the WWF admitting that pro wrestling was a work, which became a big story for a while. WWF has been pushing for years to get wrestling relegated there and finally succeeded last week. Mm. So... That's interesting. New Jersey derelegating wrestling. So now a lot more wrestling can return. If I remember correctly, I believe in August of 97 at SummerSlam, that was was, uh, the governor made an appearance. And they talked about bringing wrestling back because SummerSlam was in East Rutherford, New Jersey.
0: Yeah, this was a way for Vince to uh stop, you know, legal fees or, you know, more taxes on his product, um, to cut corners cuz it's entertainment, pal. It's not uh sports athletics. It is, but it's sports entertainment. Yeah. So uh yeah, uh, that was a big moment. Uh Jimmy and I covered that on the first season, uh Origin the a- Origin of Attitude. Um, it, it was a lot of stuff uh involving the WWF. So uh yeah. Vince was a key player there, um, making big moves for wrestling along the way, and even now, you know?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we talked last week, on last week's show, about um, the, the whole um, uh, ECW having trouble getting on pay-per-view due to the mass transit uh, incident, as we see um, the BWO uh, on the balcony.
0: Wow, the okay. Shield.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) beta, Uh, whatever. Uh, uh, What's the omega? Yeah, I'm just you know doing the shield call out for BWO. Sorry, that was terrible.
1: Yeah, that's that's an epic fail. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, um, ECW held its first show in Revere, Massachusetts, since the mass transit incident. Same city and building where it happened. The show was really subdued, and there was no brawling in the crowd and no blood, which led to a small group of fans chanting, ECW sucks, and complaining about how toned down the show was. (laughs) The gangsters weren't booked on the show. Killer Kowalski made an appearance in the corner of the Eliminators and got a huge pop. And finally, after the main event, as they were leaving the ring, a fan reached over and grabbed Francine's breast, which led to Shane Douglas going nuts and having to be restrained from attacking the fan.
0: Wow. Wow. Good stuff. I mean, uh, 1997, some brawling, it's like Puerto Rico over there.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, this was where I, I want to say this was the, the, this was the early stages in the beginning of like the audience being more active in wrestling, at, at wrestling shows. And of course ECW, no pun intended, their audience took things to the extreme to the point where they were, you know, putting hands on wrestlers and, you know, female talents and things like that. We would see stuff like that occasionally occur on a Raw or on a Nitro where a fan would jump the guardrail and and, and try to be, in, be a part of the show and then get smoked by the talent in the ring. Um, so I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, if this were something that happened today, which actually happened a few months ago with Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw, um, you know, that would be a major, major, lawsuit Mm -hmm. as we see stevie stevie richards here big stevie cool um in the corner
0: at the time i think uh they they were definitely catering to that type of audience that's what they wanted that's what paul heyman wanted that's what garnered the attention of ecw it was uh this must-see promotion where it's like uh you know you could see anything almost in your mind you thought you could see anything you could you thought you were gonna see a girl naked on ecw no matter how you know, you know, no matter how much you know, you thought they weren't gonna show it. You thought maybe I'll see a nipple or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it was you know, it, it was it was different at that time, and that's something that you know, I'll it'll it'll be a reoccurring theme throughout this season as we watch you know all these episodes. Is it was very new to me, and mm-hmm. at that time I didn't watch. I mean, I heard stuff, I saw stuff in the magazines, I read stuff on the internet, but. I didn't really get to grasp it and understand it and see it um, live on television or in person, uh, but it was—it was, it was def- it definitely felt different. Yeah. And you know, many many folks have argued that this content, this style of programming, was the catalyst to really launch the Monday Night War and Nitro and Raw really upping their game with their their programming. Well, the um,
0: zany characters in the Attitude Era kind of were evolved from these indie, quote unquote, characters. Yes, um, uh, you know, ECW had this BWO where we see Stevie Richards with booty shorts on and a cut off shirt, and he acted flamboyant, but you know he was he was big, big Stevie Rich. You know, big sexy Stevie. Big then we, Stevie Cool. Big Stevie Cool. And then we have, uh, you know, uh, Axel Rotten, who's like this grunge, this last bit of, uh, you know, grunge rock that's thriving in the late 90s or dying of uh, drug abuse in the late 90s. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that like d- the Attitude Era and WCW tried to just pick apart and try to do, uh, I guess, more more commercial aspect to it and pump it up for a grander stage on tv
1: it was it was a commercialized version of yes. of, of what ecw was doing it was where there, there was there was elements of it that they implemented into their programming but they set boundaries with it whereas ecw there was no boundaries mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that's that's the best way i could put it
0: Yeah, absolutely. And nowadays we see a lot of promotions like deathmatch promotions, CZW, uh, GCW, um, anything that Nick Gage is involved with, um, a couple other deathmatch wrestlers, they go all out and that's violence. But there will be some interesting things that are, it's all a callback to ECW, if you will, you know?
1: Now, Game Changer Wrestling seems to be the biggest one out there right now. That's really making a name for itself on the independent level. I mean, the names that they're they're that, that they've been picking up and and you know promoting and you know they're they're running they, they seem to be running bigger venues as time goes on. They've been running the Showboat in Atlantic City for months, and um, I think they're gonna. I think they. They plan to run Hammerstein Ballroom at some point for in the in the near future, which mm-hmm. is a bigger venue. Mm-hmm. They just keep growing, but they they kind of have that same philosophy as ECW did, where you had a little bit of everything. You had the technical wrestling, you had the the and the, and the match wrestling, the, the yeah. combination of the two, you know, and the more grittier um, adult based storylines that is is catching on with a niche audience yes okay? it is just like ecw did however the difference between gcw now and ecw back then is that there was no social media mm-hmm. in, in 1997 there was no myspace there was no you know there was no facebook and twitter and all the other stuff there was the dirt sheets and that was it and then there what was you saw maybe television.
0: there was maybe There's wrestling no forums there was maybe wrestling forums you know correct and like tape trading Yeah. Uh, So you would have to be like that, like underground or involved or know somebody, you know, it was exclusive.
1: But now as much as GCW is catering towards a, a, a niche audience, it's being seen on a larger scale because of the platforms of social media and streaming services. I mean, they, they, they do, they do internet pay-per-views, you know, on fight TV, um, you know, which is something that a lot of independent promotions nowadays are, are doing. Fight TV has become a, a, a platform for, you know, a lot of independent promotions to air their content um, so that fans could see on all different streaming platforms. If ECW were still around today and you had the advent of social media and streaming, I'll be honest with you. As, as controversial as their product is, they would, they'd probably still be around. Like they would, they would probably still be successful. I don't think they would go any higher than 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 that. Than than you know being a, on a, a social media platform or streaming services. But I think they'll be a player in the game for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. As we see um, BWO doing some, uh, you know, it's it's basically it's satire of the NWO. Yep. And uh, Stevie Richards getting the victory there with the super kick. Fun stuff. Fun
1: stuff. Yeah. Uh, BWO was the, the, the comedic aspect of the programming They were never meant to be taken seriously. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it a, was uh, a, a nice change of pace uh, on ECW programming to, to have them a part of, from what it looks like, as we see, um, looks like a, a Taz, Bill Alfonso um, vignette here as they hype up the, uh, the, the rivalry with um, him and Sabu.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, in, I believe it's yeah, in 97, when I first knew who Taz was and first knew who Sabu was, to me, as a, as a young teenager, they looked like and appeared like they really did not like each other. Even though ECW was more an adult-oriented person, uh, wrestling program it made you believe that certain guys didn't really care for each other right you know they they had that believability factor
0: yeah it it definitely it it felt more raw um that's the thing like you know like seeing ecw in the magazines uh like pro wrestling illustrated or the wrestler magazine um getting glimpses. of glimpses of it at this time uh it it felt like it was something like we keep saying it's it felt like it was something exclusive it was like real like you were seeing like maybe close to the realest wrestling that you could because at the time i'm nine years old in 1997 and i'm thinking wrestling's real maybe no it's not but i can tell when it is real you know there was always that type of uh discretionary, uh, you know, like viewer, like, uh, you know, wh- what we thought essentially, how do you feel? Oh, yeah. What's that? How do you feel like, wh- what were you like when you like saw ECW at this time? Did you think it was like the best thing ever, maybe that you weren't able to see or d- were you not caring about it? Um, I
1: mean, it piqued my interest to check it out because it was different um, than what I'd been used to seeing with WWF and WCW. Unfortunately, um, you know, there were times where I would stay up late to try and watch it and it wasn't even on, you know, um, or, you know, I just read about it in the, you know, the, the pro wrestling illustrated magazines, but um, it was enough to pique my interest to check it out, but I didn't really watch it enough back then to, to, to say, you know, whether it was the greatest thing on in wrestling or not, you know, most people right. that most most fans mm-hmm. back then thought it was the number 1 promotion.
0: Did in, it did it at least it, intrigue you? What's that? Did it at least intrigue you?
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah. I you know, it, like I said, piqued my interest to to check it out and there were some intriguing parts of it from when I was able to watch it, but like I said, the availability of being able to watch it, you know, I'm I'm 14 years old. I'm a teenager. You know, I'm hanging out with my buddies who are trying to chase girls as a teenager. I'm not trying to stay up on a Friday or Saturday night at one or two (laughs) o'clock in the morning watching wrestling. Right. You know, so the, 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 if it was on at a different time and a different night, then I'd probably be more committed to watching it. But, you know, the MSG, the Madison square garden channel was the only channel that I was able to watch it on. And I, like I said, the times I did try to stay up to watch it, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, right. and it's not even on, you yeah. know? yeah. But then the next time, it will be on at like 4.30 in the morning, you know? It, there was never like a set time where you would watch it, it where you could be able to watch it. But if you happen to watch it and catch it, great, because it, it was so unpredictable to try and find the
0: programming. Oh, I'm sure, and it was even probably harder, not like, you and I are from the, north, the northeast, I'm more from the southeast, if you will if we want to continue that topic, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think like we, we both even had a scattered, um, issue collecting it being so close to the product. I, I can heart, like, I can only imagine being like in other countries or, uh, you know, on the West coast, it was definitely harder to attain this product. Uh, much to why it's like so popular now. And it's like a hidden gem of, uh, uh of wrestling, but, it's also it's also been on display for everybody in the network. Uh, what's our timestamp here?
1: We are currently at twenty minutes thirty four seconds. So we're almost halfway through the program. As we see the eliminators, John Cronus and Perry Saturn defeat Bubba Ray Dudley and Spike Dudley.
0: Yeah, fantastic match too. Uh, we kind of talked over a lot of the in ring stuff with Spike and Saturn. Wow, some great exchanges there from those guys. Um, everybody putting on the best in-ring work that they can at the time, if they could work in the ring. And we would eventually see the standouts. You know, like Saturn yeah. eventually gets signed. Spike Dudley would get a big push. Um, it, it's it's really cool to see some of the guys in-ring uh, abilities at the time and how innovative w- they were too.
1: Because we and this were. Is the- we see the footage of Killer Kowalski with the Eliminators. That was what I referenced earlier from the, the Revere, Massachusetts uh, show uh, that uh, took place recently at that time. Uh, Kowalski, a local native of the area, uh, also trained Perry Saturn, uh, making an appearance and being a part of this as we see him now. Looks like he's walking to the back. And then we get another interruption from Joey Styles. Um, and then there's Joel Gertner, who I could give a shit about. Uh, <laughs> while, we're on, while, while, we're, while, while we have Joel Gertner on the camera, I thought this would be an interesting subject to discuss here from over in WCW. Scott Hall missed Nitro recently because he got some of his teeth knocked out by Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys in the House show match over the weekend and had to go get oral surgery. Presumably, what? it was an accident. There had been a lot of heat between Sags and Hall for a while because last year, Hall apparently stiff-sags with a chair shot to the head and gave him a concussion and ended up in a nasty argument backstage at the time. There was also an incident at another house show where the Nasty Boys were working with Hall and Nash, who were supposed to be the heels, but Hall and Nash kept doing all the babyface spots to get themselves over, which got them cheered and made the Nasties look like fools, and they were not happy about it. Wow.
0: Interesting stuff. I, I, I don't think I recall that. I mean, I've, I've read the... Death of WCW book, and maybe it's because I just, you know, absorbed too much wrestling, but I don't recall that one at all.
1: I've heard the story that they had some heat with each other, um, and it, it turned into a fight, or, you know, it was kind of like, it started out in the ring, they got a little stiff with each other, and then eventually it, it made its way backstage or um, in a bar somewhere, but yeah, there, there's that was pretty much the the beginning of the end or actually the end of the nasty boys demise within WCW, I believe sags at one point retired following that. And then knobs would go continue on having a singles career in WCW doing like a lot of that hardcore stuff. But, uh, yeah, that that was the, that was pretty much the end of the nasty boys following that incident.
0: Wow. And, uh, was he the one that already had his teeth knocked out? So was he just trying to, like, compare and contrast with Scott Hall?
1: Uh, yeah, I think he's the one that was missing the teeth. <laughs> I believe oh, oh, so. H- how funny is that?
0: Yeah. Now yeah, ironically enough, yeah. yeah. And now we have Chris Candido um, talking about the Louis Piccoli feud. That he's had. Uh, we spoke about it last week. Uh, Louis Piccoli ended up being the referee in the match between Chris Candido and RVD. Um, what What were your thoughts on Chris Candido at this time? And then, what are your thoughts now, retrospectively, of Chris Candido?
1: Um, didn't really care for him. my first exposure to him was in WWF. His skip of the body, Donna's. Of yeah. course, Sunny was the Sunny was the star of that presentation. Um, she was every teenage boys fantasy, uh, wrestling, wrestling teenage boys fantasy at that time. So I could have cared less for skip to be honest with you. I thought the, 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 uh, the, the exercise gimmick was kind of fitting for that time period because you had, you know, Billy blanks with the tie bow and, you know, Richard Simmons, like, you know, the, the, the workout tapes and things like that. So that stuff, it, it fit with the time, but. I didn't really, you know, love or hate Candido in any way, shape, or form. Didn't even know he was in ECW until I believe he made an appearance on Raw in 97 where they, he worked a match as Chris Candido, and they didn't even reference him as Skip.
0: No, I know. Bizarre. Bizarre at the time.
1: They acted like he was just, you know, new to the programming, and it was like, no, he's Skip. But, um... Looking back on him now, I mean, I met Candido in two, uh, about twenty years, t- t- over twenty years ago in two thousand and one at a um, in an indie show. And he's a nice guy, super nice guy. You know, um, many regard him as you know one of the best pound for pound in ring technicians in all of wrestling. Um, I, I I could say I've learned to appreciate his in ring work more as I've been older, but. I didn't really, like I said, didn't really have a a love or a hate for him at the time in
0: 1997. Mm, Yeah. Um, Wasn't too familiar. And then when I saw him on Raw, like you said, I was like, hey, that's a skip. And, uh, you know, then at the time, like you said, the Internet was... uh, scarce and, you know, obscure, but within the year or so, I would would have access to the internet. And the main thing that I would do was go and look around for wrestling stuff. And there was a wrestling site that, like, gave you the real names of wrestlers and, like, their relations to other wrestlers. And at the time, that was so big, you know? Yep. Oh, my God. Like, I I thought I was in heaven. Like, I, I thought I had found, like, a gold mine of, like, information i was like oh my gosh sean michael's real name is sean hickenbottom <laughs> like you know yeah like, I, I don't know it was it was very 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 cool for the time but yeah chris candido is one of those guys where i, I didn't recognize him until later and then being on wcw i was like okay i can see him having some in in ring work uh you know ethic and uh, a guy that I enjoy to watch, but I never really got behind him. Like you said, Sonny was the uh the eyes of that pair.
1: Yes. Um here's an interesting story I thought that we would that we could touch on here as we're watching Bulldozer Brian Lee Whew. enter the ring. Um what the you freaking do? Well here's the
0: um, here's the here's the funny thing is Bulldozer Brian Lee played the fake Undertaker for SummerSlam. Correct. 1994. Correct. Uh, and now we're in 1997, and he's playing the fake biker undertaker before the fake biker undertaker even exists,
1: or before the real biker undertaker is yeah. existed. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that, that's funny. I, you know, I didn't even think of that. That's hilarious. That <laughs> that that is pretty damn funny. I like that. <laughs> what the hell?
0: That is wild. Um, um, yeah.
1: It, here's it's, the, here's the. Here's an interesting story. On the WWF Livewire show, hosted by Jim Ross and Vic Venom, a.k.a. Vince Russo, they said they were no longer screening calls anymore, and it was apparently the truth because most of the calls were about WCW. Jim Ross was very negative towards WCW, saying that he fell asleep during the Hogan Piper Starcade pay-per-view match, and he also said that Hall and Nash should attend a WWF pay-per-view because they haven't been near a good pay-per-view since they left the WWF. When asked about the WWF signing, Randy Savage, Jim Ross said WWF was interested in younger athletes and had no interest in looking for people my age to be wrestlers.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, WWF Livewire was something innovative at the time. Um, And I think we talked about that uh, the last time or, or, you know, a couple uh, weeks or months ago on Catching Up, the debut of it.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. I liked the concept. I thought it was cool. It had like that insider feel to it. Um, you know, I I was, I, but at the same time, it also looking back on it, I, I would love to see them have episodes of that on the network, but I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll ever any of that stuff. Because some of those, some of those were a frigging train wreck. Try uh, to get somebody on the phone. Yep. They're nervous. They're talking to somebody that they watch on TV. Yes. They can't spit the question out. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, uh. Or, or it's uh, like, like
0: it's like they're trying to clearly get to a point that was bullet pointed by like Kevin Dunn or Vince McMahon. It's like, please get to this topic. And they're like beating around the bush, like trying to get there so hard. And they're all like fighting each other to get like over during the show. Yeah,
2: um,
0: it's it, it was a mess, but it was fun. It ran until 2000, which, uh, you know, in some in in other countries, it kind of until 2001 and then eventually wwe confidential which we talked about last week on this show marking out the days uh which i spoke of like you know it was the premiere in 2002 of that show uh that show kind of like was the predecessor for live wire so it's yes. it's it's since around 1996 or 7 it's been this insider look into wrestling and like you said ecw was that that hallmark, that mainstay of like, is this real? Are there shades of gray everywhere? Yes. Like uh, ECW did that really well, especially with this oh, promo yeah. going on that right now with Brian Lee and the BWO. They're like, they're, you know, they're breaking kayfabe. They're talking about, they could be cool. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting.
1: Another interesting concept that debuted in 1997 around this time was shotgun Saturday night.
0: Yes. Um, Bar room was- wrestling.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much, you know, wrestling taking place in a very intimate setting, whether they were nightclubs or bars, and I thought early on, it was, it was cool, because, you know, it was late, it was Saturday night, it kind of had an ECW feel to it, it was late at night, very intimate settings, a little bit more edgier in terms of storylines, um, but still stuff that you could carry over to the main shows, like Raw and Superstars and things like that, um. It, that, to me, as a youngster, you know, if I didn't stay up late to watch it, it felt like I missed something, because really? it was it was something that was fresh to the programming. And looking back on it 25 years later, it re- resembles what we're seeing here in ECW. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely, I and mean, even though you only got sh- matches like this, Brian a Bulldozer Brian Lee against Stevie Richards—not even a set match, but you know, how a- ECW would do. Um, as well as like you know, on Shotgun Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live, you would get like Ahmed Johnson against Billy Gunn. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. 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 So interesting stuff there. Just building. Oh my God, is he okay? It was Killer Kowalski for one second.
1: It looks like they're doing like a...
0: It's an interview, but it's fake. They're not together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kowalski cuts a pro... Oh, wait a minute.
0: You want to put Where this on? Got... Oh,
1: uh, no. yeah. I, yeah, I could, put, I could put the audio on for this. Why not? Oh, uh, well, it's actually a little too late now. Yeah. Hold on. I'll put
2: it on. I'm a legend killer. Please stop. on. <laughs>
0: He's a legend
1: killer.
2: Boston, take out a 74 year old man. A 74 year old man doesn't matter what he's accomplished, it doesn't matter that he's a legend. You want to send a message? Well, message intercepted by the eliminators. We've never taken nothing personal, not until now, Brian, Chris. You got a good old fashioned Boston ass kicking coming. <laughs>
1: wow! All right,
0: interesting so, stuff there.
1: Yeah, uh, it looks like we're gonna get our. I believe this is. I believe this is our featured match on this program. Yes. Yeah. It let's. Is let's. Raven. Exp-
0: Let's explain what just happened for those that aren't watching along. Uh, killer Kowalski got choked out by Bulldozer Brian Lee, who called himself a legend killer. Once again, yeah,
1: uh, that was that was an interesting uh, interesting catchphrase. I don't think I've ever heard that
0: one before. No, he he is the he's the predecessor of like everything uh, WWE in twenty twenty five or two thousand and five. <laughs> Uh, Or 2003 ish. Uh, Anyhow, uh, we like you said we have uh, the eliminators. Sorry, we have the eliminators then accepting a challenge uh, towards bulldozer Brian Lee to defend Terry Funk's honor. Um, So, yeah, he's a 75 year old legend. Wow.
1: Yeah, Um, we see Sandman here with Raven. Um, it looks like our featured bout, Sandman in his pajamas. Um, this is, of course, stemming from the rivalry of uh, uh, Raven and Sandman, where Raven had kind of brainwashed Sandman's wife and their son, uh, which mm-hmm. we saw a little bit of from last week, that their involvement on the show. Um, but this here is the main event of the evening. Yeah, Sanctioned bra- by the bra- Massachusetts State Wrestling and Boxing Athletic Commission for the Heavyweight Championship of the World.
0: Yeah, uh, some brawling is what we're going to see here. Every Sandman match is punch, punch, punch. Maybe I'll do a drop kick. Uh, It's like like Stone Cold after the neck injury, but he never had a neck injury, I don't think. Uh, Sandman, that is. Uh, It's like
1: Stone Cold. Not leaving his house during quarantine with the pajamas on. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, exactly. Well, this is leisure wear for 2022, actually. He's going to Walmart uh, in West Virginia.
1: Oh, yeah, this is definitely a fucking grocery shopping attire right here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, if if, if he wore SpongeBob slippers and had an EBT card, with all due respect to those that get government assistance... (laughs) (laughs) because there's nothing uh, no no bullshit there's nothing wrong with that but you know Uh, yeah just call it like i see it with sandman here
0: yeah uh i mean all right what are your thoughts of sandman being kind of the predecessor of stone cold's gimmick um because while I mean, we have him in the main event, he's the champion at the time. Him yep. and Stone Cold did feud in 1995 in ECW over the title. Stone yep. Cold did get a chance to see Sandman in action while he was pouring beers, coming down to Metallica, being a badass yep. through this through the crowd. Uh, you know, yep. just being defiant uh, towards his boss and everybody. Uh, I mean, what do you think?
1: Um, you know, it was <laughs> on paper, you look at it and it's like, well, you know, Steve Austin copied the Sandman, but, um, you know, he may have taken the, the, the beer drinking element and, you know, the, the, the aggressive attitude, um, and implemented it into his character. Uh, maybe that was a, you know, an extension of who he, who he, who he is in real life. Um, the Sandman character, I thought it was cool. The entrance, okay. Like, I'll I'll be honest with you. He's, and I think everyone can agree, not the greatest technician as a wrestler, but he had this presence about him when he would come down to the ring with the Enter Sandman music from Metallica. Mm-hmm. That like that 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 piqued in my interest in watching his matches, even though the matches you you could pretty much watch him with your eyes closed because you knew it was going to happen. You know? Um,
0: As we see a table spot that d- the table doesn't go through, so...
1: Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't. I mean, here's an interesting story. The first time I ever knew what ECW was, I was at a sleepover at a friend's house. He was... My friend Dean, who was co-hosted on Kicking Out of Two on a, number, a couple of occasions. Um, move out of the way, lady. Jesus. Um <laughs> She's just standing there, you know, like, she's like, she's waiting for them to move. Like, like, you know, like they're not supposed to be there. Um, you know where you are? Jesus Christ. Um, anyhow, um, the first time I'd ever watched anything that was ECW, it was Sandman and it was his entrance in the ECW arena to enter Sandman Metallica and that crowd and how they came unglued and they sang the song along, you know, to the, the, the lyrics. I was like, that's that's probably one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in wrestling just the entrance itself and the crowd's participation in that entrance mm-hmm. to the point where it's like I'd love to go be a part of that right. that would be cool to like be in you know be live and in person and then of course a number of years later it's probably regarded as one of the greatest entrances of all time in wrestling history was when the WWE um revived ecw with the 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 one night stand pay-per-view in 2005 and sandman came out to that song the the metallica enter sandman song and it was the crowd sang the lyric it was just it's such a cool moment to
2: watch
0: yeah you know absolutely and he 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 benefited from that Uh, i'm like he's one of the few people that i guess didn't get sued by metallica or they didn't have an issue with him using the music that
1: much or they didn't even know
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he used it in wwe so there's got to be some exposure there which is wild
1: i i for the story i've heard regarding that was um paul Heyman pushed vince really hard to pay for the 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 licensing to use the song for the just that one night right because he said it wouldn't be the same if it was if Sandman didn't give you wanted if you wanted the Sandman experience coming out through the crowd with the beer and the mm-hmm. kendo stick and everything the cigarette in the mouth you needed the song mm-hmm. you needed the, to, you needed that song to to illustrate and paint the picture of of who the Sandman was and what he represented as a character in ECW and I guess he pushed really hard for it with Vince and Vince said okay and they paid for the rights for that one night only yeah. to use that song. If you go watch One Night Stand on Peacock, it's it's not they don't show the original audio. it's, yeah. it's some dubbed over version and um, since, and see.
0: since then, uh, you know Triple H and Undertaker have been like, well, you let Sandman of all people use Metallica, so you we, you got to let us license it again you know they've oh they've licensed God, are you metallica <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> but, but they uh they do love them some metallica um, yes and acdc um yeah definitely a, a sign of the times for hair metal and uh, grunge rock or heavy metal and wrestling to combine which you know it goes hand in hand music and and wrestling in some way you know aggressive music that is yeah. Um, you know, heavy metal or hardcore rap. Uh, they all go hand in hand. We see like West Side Gun in NXT and Wale being involved with uh, WWE. And then, you know, and uh, West Side Gun being involved with uh with AEW, he's a gangster rapper, and then you see hardcore bands that are, you know, like friends with wrestlers now, um, CM Punk, to name one of the guys who's friends with Rancid, you know, it's like a tie-in, and this, this ECW was definitely like a big tie-in to music and wrestling, because half of these shows, we're getting lucky to see a match right here where they're just battling everywhere in this ballroom, going throughout this whole arena, and um, you know, usually this show is laced with uh, recaps and music. You know,
1: mm-hmm. this actually—I'll be honest with you—this is, this is a, a, a neat little setup for wrestling. Like, you see, like you know, the the it's you know an auditorium with the balconies and the stage. It looks like there's a stage there where the hard camera is. It's a neat little setup for wrestling. It would probably be a cool experience to go see, like, an indie show there. Like, I don't know where this is in Massachusetts. Um, I could take a look and do the research. I'll actually do that right now um, as we speak.
0: Looks like Uh, some type of ballroom or hall um, where you would either see, like, in – A symphony orchestra or something or like an off-put show like this or some underground This is
1: actually taking place in the town hall of Webster, Massachusetts There you go. The town hall (laughs) What did they think they were getting?
0: Remember four score and seven years ago how memorial this town hall was? Now we have Sandman and fucking Raven.
1: That's hilarious (laughs) So meanwhile these, these, these union delegates and these politicians are voting for legislation on on Tuesday night. But on Friday night, Sandman and Raven are destroying their building.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Paul Heyman is a genius.
1: Yeah, I don't know. What what did he think they were doing? He's like, what? let me tell you, sir, what we plan to do this evening when we rent your building, your property here in Webster, Massachusetts, if you will. We are going to play extreme bingo. <laughs> like
0: something,
2: yeah. What wow. The fuck?
0: Oh my Man. god. Uh, well that that you know get heat whenever you can. Don't ask for permission. Uh
1: ask or yeah. What is for
0: forgiveness? It? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. I do, I do that with my wife and she throws left hands like Sandman does so <sighs> go figure.
0: Hey, I hear you. My my, my wife uh, is Latina so she stabs. She'll blade. Oh. She'll blade you.
1: Oh my goodness! Um, okay. So she's. It looks like this episode is ending here. Wow, very anticlimatic way of ending the episode, as we see Sandman and Raven throwing haymakers at each other left and right. That's
0: not okay, necessarily that's- a draw, but uh, a a way to end the match. I don't, I, we didn't have audio there, so I'm not sure if uh, they rang the bell and just went off the air. Um,
1: I didn't see a referee.
0: Well, Did you notice that? that's the thing with ECW, anyhow. You could you could go out there without a referee and he'd come out of nowhere and count you down uh, but then uh, you know if you if you needed a referee he would get low blowed knocked out and then another referee would come in even though rules don't count uh, yeah rules yeah what are what are the rules yeah
1: Jesus well that will do it for this episode of marking up days. Extreme watch-alongs. Next week, we are going to cover the January 14th episode of ECW Hardcore TV as we continue the march to Barely Legal, the very first pay-per-view of ECW.
0: Yeah, uh, very much so looking forward to that. I uh, had a lot of fun on this one. We we hit a lot of topics every time we watch along uh, with these episodes. And I hope you guys stick with us and continue to grow with this evolution of this uh, new market out the days season. Um, it's going to be cool retrospectively talking about the time of 1997 um, and this period in, in ECW as we are in the year 2022 and able to see how much they have influenced wrestling throughout time. Uh and you'll get a good insight there and a lot of laughs with us and uh thank you everybody for joining us. Dave, sign us off, let us know where to find you, let us know where to find everybody else. Uh, or, uh the rest of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and we will get out of here.
1: Find all these shows on RetroMania by switching RetroMania with the W, retromania.podbean.com. You can find each and every show, all the archives, 308 episodes, and more of Marking Out the Days, Kicking Out It Two, Guys Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, uh, Cool Truth with AC, and so many other great shows, a part of the RetroMania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Kicking out at twos. Debut, season premiere, if you will, January the 26th, Royal Rumble 1992 watch-along. We're going to watch the 1992 Royal Rumble match itself, the night Ric Flair won the WWF title, and then cover the remainder of the year with 1997 Raw and Nitros. Looking forward to podcasting with all of you here in 2022. And we will see you all next week for episode three of Marking Out the Days Extreme
2: Watch-along. Bye-bye.